0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Good morning, I'm Ann Romer, and welcome to Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Soon to be friend of the show, Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame writer Curtis Stock joins us for the very first time today. The Alberta based Stock was recently making headlines with the launch of his new book, The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty, based on one of the most famous Canadian thoroughbred horse racing families, led by the Hall of Fame jockey ron turcotte the highest grossing athlete in canada in 1964 he was best known as the rider of triple crown winner secretariat in 1970 tragedy struck though when ron became paralyzed from the waist down after a track accident ended his career but what a career more than 3,000 wins and earnings of over 30 million dollars there were actually five turcotte brothers including ron who became jockeys the turcotte dynasty from rags to riches through his book Curtis Stock attempts to capture the cruel reality of an unforgiving sport. This celebrated racetrack writer joins us to talk about his book, The Turkots: The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty. So today is April the 22nd, the opener for the Woodbine Thoroughbred season. Celebrated Woodbine track announcer Robert Geller joins us to talk about the excitement surrounding 555 Rexdale this weekend. Robert is getting ready to call today's Thoroughbred card, the first of a scheduled 133 days ending on December 17th. Robert Geller, a view from the booth. This is going to be great. Also on today's Ponies 24-7, former Woodbine jockey turned trainer Francine Villeneuve is our guest. The Ottawa-born horsewoman who rode her first thoroughbred in 1987 has been dealing with some pretty difficult health issues lately that have forced her to make some tough life decisions. Coming up, Francine will talk past, present and future and how this courageous woman remains optimistic. And finally, he's back. My co-host, Larry Simpson, will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, and other North American tracks racing today with our ponies. Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocketship Racing. It's going to be a great show, so please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go into some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we introduce a new feature on this show. In case you missed it ponies 24 7 recap of the week that was in horse racing news
0: ponies 24 7 the radio magazine brought to you by woodbine woodbine mohawk park ontario racing and rocket ship racing more from the track when we come back on 105.9 the region
2: go from dark horse to winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets, straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices.
3: The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1940. The HBPA provides members and their hard-working employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer, and let me introduce you to my co-host Larry Simpson and our, in case you missed it, a look at the week that was in horse racing news. And Larry, it's all about the 50th anniversary of Secretariat winning the Kentucky Derby.
4: That's right, and uh, yeah, there's a huge festival, I guess you could say, to promote this. It's called A Tremendous Machine, Celebrating the 50th Anniversary of Secretariat's Triple Crown. And it's basically going to journey the same path that Secretariat did to become America's ninth triple crown winner, vis- visiting Churchill Downs, Pimlico Racecourse, Belmont Park, and there's some other stops on the way.
1: What do you think will be involved in the exhibition? What will be some of the exhibit pieces?
4: Oh, there'll probably be photos, and I'm, I'm sure there's uh, winning tickets from uh, the Triple Crown races that people have never uh, cashed. Uh, I never cashed the the one when he came up here and won the Canadian International, so I've still got that. I've got photos. I'm a I'm a secretary at fiend. I got yeah. I got stuff all over the place of his uh, f- photos, pictures. There's even a postage stamp that they they. Uh, uh, enlisted a, a few years back, and that, that I've, I've got a copy of that as well.
1: And how would you best describe Secretariat? You know, we're wa- watching him 50 years ago and then some. How would you describe him?
4: Well, I was pretty young when I saw him, but uh, I, I, as we all know, I probably started going to the races when I was five years old, so I, I had seen a lot of races going up to that. And I think I was in either my last couple of years of high school or maybe my first year in college, I can't remember, I think it was high school, and, like, I remember it was a really dark and, and dreary day and it was raining and it was, uh, uh, you know, you thought that that would hold the crowd back, but well, it didn't. And as soon as this horse came out on the track, it was just like this huge um, cheer went up. It was almost deafening in that. And, like, he just kind of went into, it. Ron Turcott, just kind of put him into a gear and, and he said basically goodbye to the rest of the horses, and, and they just raced for second money. Like he, he was like a machine.
1: And that's why they call it that. The, mm-hmm. uh, the tremendous, tremendous machine, machine he was. Which he, he really, really was. Has he there was. ever been a horse like Secretariat since?
4: Uh, well, I think I'm personally biased. I would <laughs> say no. Uh, there's been some that I, I think have tried, there's been Triple Crown winners and that. But I think it was the time, too, that uh, horse racing kind of needed a hero. And they, they got one with Secretariat and then they made a movie of him. And, and uh, yeah, so I think it was the timing of it too that, uh, you know, they were trying to get horse racing on the map. And he, I think, put the horse on the map and, and with the help of Ron Turcotte and his owners and that, uh, they they really did a great job of, of selling horse racing to the masses.
1: A tremendous machine celebrating the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's Triple Crown. It sounds fantastic, and people can go online to find out more about where they can see it or, or how they can access it or actually visit some of the stops that Secretariat made on his path to greatness.
4: Yeah, I think, it, I think it'd be fun. It'd be a fun road trip.
1: Sure would, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, and everybody loves Secretariat. Even if you weren't born around that time, you know, people look back in time and and say, wow, there's never been a horse like that ever, Secretariat. And that's In Case You Missed It on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, the perfect segue. Right now, we're pleased to be joined by a soon-to-be friend of the show, renowned horse racing writer Curtis Stock, who can now add author to his Hall of Fame resume with the recent launch of his amazing horse racing bestseller, The Turcots. The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty. Curtis, welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine all the way from Edmonton. Glad to have you with us.
5: Glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
4: Well, let's talk about the book, and, and really, what prompted you to write this uh, this book?
5: Well, it's just, as the title of the book says, a remarkable story. It's just an unbelievable story of how five brothers from a lumberjack family in New Brunswick Drummond, which has a population of 700, went on to such greatness and triumphs. Led by Ron, the oldest of the five Turcots, they won 8,251 races for purse earnings of just shy of 60 million. But unfortunately, they all had their run into tragedy, and that's a part of the book as well.
1: And Curtis, this coincides with the 50th anniversary of Secretariat's Triple Crown win, yeah. so that has a lot to do with it. Uh, so talk to us about how you put together something like this, how, what your involvement was in terms of speaking with Ron and the other brothers, that some of whom are no longer with us.
5: Right, yeah. I spent three days with Ron in New Brunswick three years ago, and uh, then I spoke plenty of times with uh, Yves, who lives in St. Albert, which is a suburb of Edmonton, and uh, Rudy, I had tracked him down uh, prior to his passing, and uh, Roger, while he was alive, I spent many, many times interviewing him because he was a top Alberta rider, just like Eves, who was the last one to ride. So I got to know them all, except for Noel. Noel was the one that I never interviewed.
4: So there was a lot of interviews with the with the brothers and that, so... How long, when you figure it out with all these interviews, did it take you to actually compile and and come up with a finished product of the book?
5: About three years it took. Um, There was a lot of research, obviously, that went into it and going through like thousands of newspaper clippings and archives and, you know, and uh, microfiche and just researching all the stories that were written about the Turcotts through the years.
1: Let's first focus on Ron. He certainly seemed to be the best known of the Turcott brothers, the highest grossing athlete in Canada by 1964, best known as the rider of the Triple Crown winner Secretariat in 1970, but then tragedy struck. I mean, what a life. Triumph and tragedy. Rags to riches. Ron Turcotte.
5: Yeah, and it's the same with most of them, but uh, Ron, of course, was, uh, as you said, Secretariat's jockey. And uh, 50 years ago this year, it's his anniversary. And uh, he, Ron, spent lots of time with me. And we exchanged a lot of phone calls before. And uh, as I said, I got to talk to all the other brothers too, except for Noel. But uh, Ron was extremely helpful. And uh, when we went to see him uh, and we met in the hotel lobby in uh, Grand Falls, New Brunswick, there had to be twenty people around him in his wheelchair, just mm-hmm. wanting to talk. He's just a—he's a celebrity, a big celebrity in Grand Falls. And then we went to his house, and two ladies had driven all the way up from from Kentucky just to get his autograph.
4: You basically go into the the various stories of of the brothers and the personal demises that they were going through, and that. And we're not going to get into that into this interview because we want people to buy your book. But let's uh, let's talk about the fact that the general crux, you could say, of this book is that, that riding a horse for a jockey is a very uh, risky occupation, correct?
5: Oh, absolutely. In, in horse racing, as a jockey, it's never a question of if you're going to get hurt, it's when and how often. The, uh, horses are going 40 miles an hour and they weigh 1,100 pounds and you get a big field like the Derby coming up. It'll have 20 horses in it. There's a lot of things that can go wrong.
1: Can you describe the accident, Ron Turcotte, that put him in a wheelchair? And, and what, did he, what does he say about it? How does he analyze it and, and come to terms with it today?
5: He's, he comes to terms with it very well. He's uh, never bemoans his fate. Uh, he said he, every morning when he wakes up and he thanks God that he can open his eyes. Uh, so he's, he's just a, a tremendous individual. In uh, 1978 in New York, and uh, he, uh, a horse clipped heels, a horse came over on top of him, and uh, they clipped heels and Ron was somersaulted, and he landed on his back, and his back was broken. So he required, uh, I think, three or four surgeries. Now he's in a wheelchair.
4: Let's talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, where did this interest in, in horse racing and a history of horse racing and that uh, stem from?
5: I was uh, about 16 years old when I went to the track for the first time with uh, friends of my uh, parents. And we went to Stampede Park in Calgary. And uh, the first uh, race I saw, the first one I bet on, I actually won a $32 Cornella ticket. And I've been in love with horse racing ever since. Yeah, I covered horse racing for the Journal and for the Calgary Herald. So the Herald I was hired on as a summer student. And then uh, I went to the Ontario Jockey Club. Then I went to Northlands and then the uh, Edmonton Journal hired me and I worked there for 30 years.
1: Why write about it? Why choose that aspect of horse racing?
5: Well, it's just, like I say, it's just such an amazing story that, you know, to get five brothers from, from a family of that 14 kids and, uh, that they all went on to such greatness and triumphs uh, was amazing by itself. But then the, uh, the endings of all their careers was, uh, you know, very unfortunate. Uh, like Ron, he was paralyzed, as we said, from the waist down. And uh, he's, he was, he had, it was in a similar accident. He fractured his skull and had three, three brain bleeds and was told he could never ride again. Uh, Rudy, he died of alcoholism, and Roger and, well, both took their lives.
1: But why for you, Curtis, personally, would you choose to write about racing rather than be involved in some other aspect of the industry?
5: Well, I was I actually thought about writing this book 20 years ago, but I found it was impossible to write and work at the journal at the same time, so I put it aside, and then when covid hit i had this idea again of you know writing this book on the surcots and when covid hit i said i've got no more excuses now it's time to write it so it took me three years but i got it done
4: all right let's talk a little bit uh again about your your writing career uh you were put into the canadian horse racing hall of fame in in 2017 you've won a couple of sovereign awards uh how how did winning all those awards and being put into the hall of fame feel? Uh,
5: I still remember the day they called when they told me that I was in the hall of fame, and uh, it was one of the happiest moments of my life. It was someplace <laughs> I never thought I'd get to, but I remember the phone call in the morning, and uh, they said congratulations, and I said congratulations for what? And they said they told me that I was in the hall of fame. So I'd written, uh, won uh, eleven sovereign awards o- over. Four decades, so I've been doing it for a long time.
4: Yeah, I missed it. I I, I said a couple, so I, <laughs> my math's bad.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two or 11, it's all the same, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Curtis, you spent time with the Ontario Jockey Club before you went west. You're in Edmonton now. What was that like?
5: It was great. I worked for Bruce Walker, who mm-hmm. uh, taught me uh, just about everything I know about horse racing. Uh, even though I covered a little bit, you know, for the Calgary Herald. And that was for uh, Bruce Walker's dad, Hal Walker. He was a sports editor at the Herald in Calgary. And I worked for him as a summer student. And then they kept me on while I was going to university. And so I got to do what I was doing anyway all the time, going to the races and getting paid for it while I was going to school. So that, that was really something else.
4: Anything you haven't accomplished in your career so far?
5: Uh, Well, I guess there's lots of things that I haven't accomplished, (laughs) but I'm I'm happy with with the way that things have turned out.
1: And how do you feel about your book? I mean, obviously, you've written it; it was a labor of love, and it was a discovery as well. Now that you've given birth to it, it's out there; it's for sale. And I encourage all of our listeners to pick it up. The Turcottes: The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty. How do you feel about this accomplishment?
5: Oh, it, it's great. We went. Uh, my wife and I went to the bookstores uh, this week to see it on the shelves. <laughs> and I remember when uh, they sent me a box of uh, 10 of the books and uh, that was a special moment opening up that box and seeing my name on a book yeah. and then seeing it in the bookstores, which, uh, like I said, just came up this week. So,
1: Has Ron read it?
5: Yeah, uh, and uh, he's and uh, they and some of their brothers. Gaetan has been very helpful. He's another Turcot, and uh, they they seem to like it. Uh, Ron doesn't say very much. He's a very humble and very quiet person, but uh, uh, he seems to like it as well. So and uh, Gaetan loved it. he bought two thousand books. And he, oh. <laughs> oh. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's New Brun for New Brunswick.
4: Good, good. All right, what does the uh, future hold for you? Uh, is there another book, maybe, or uh, uh, are you still going to report on on horse racing, write uh, for various articles for the papers? What?
5: Well, I write uh, once a week for Horse Racing Alberta, so that's where my writing is right now and I do some freelance work uh, and I also have uh, I co-host a golf radio show on Sunday mornings in Edmonton uh, as for writing another book I have no idea uh, it took this one took a long time and uh, But I think it was well worth it. But I don't know if I'm um, in any hurry to write another one. Mm-hmm.
1: And you mentioned horse racing Alberta. What's it like in Alberta? How, how are, do people perceive the horse racing industry in the province of Alberta?
5: Well, it's nowhere near the way it used to be. Uh, when I was covering horse racing, Edmonton was the per capita betting capital of uh, North America. They used to bet $1 million every Saturday. Uh, and that was all at the track. Nothing online at that time. There was you know, no uh, telephone betting or betting on computers or apps or whatever. It was all live handled. And like I said, like every Saturday, they would bet a million dollars. And on Friday nights, they'd get 850000 regularly.
4: Okay. Well, before we let you go, I got one more question for you, Curtis. <laughs> uh, back in the day when you were... Starting out in this business, like I was, uh, you were probably, you know, interested in both thoroughbred and standardbred racing, like I was. Uh, yeah. Is that the same to this day that you're you're still going to cover the you still cover the standardbreds and the thoroughbreds, or is one more oh, yeah. uh, impact than the other?
5: No, I do both uh, for horse racing Alberta. When the yeah. harness horses are here, I write about the harness horses. And uh, with the thoroughbreds, when they're here, I write about the thoroughbreds. But when I went to the Herald, it was all strictly harness racing. Uh, they had Pat McMahon, who did the thoroughbred racing, and I did the uh, standard bread racing.
1: You're an amazing guy, and I can't thank you enough for joining us on Ponies 24-7. Curtis Stock, author of The Must Read, The Turcots, The Remarkable Story of a Horse Racing Dynasty. Thank you for writing the book. Thank you for joining us on the show, Curtis.
5: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: When we come back, celebrated Woodbine track announcer Robert Geller joins us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies
0: 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back.
6: Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry, and they want to invite you to their Pineview dealership to view their award winning Hyundai lineup today, as the Hyundai Advantage sales event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905 851 2851 to make an appointment or visit our website pineviewauto.com and see why pineview hyundai remains the smart choice
0: One vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine friend of the show, Woodbine Thoroughbred. Track announcer Robert Geller joins us again today. Robert is, like everyone else, pretty excited about live racing back today at Woodbine for the first of a scheduled 133-day race meet. Robert, it's such a pleasure to have you with us, and we love the sound of your voice.
8: No, well, thank you so much, Anne. It is a pleasure to be on. And uh, Larry, thank you very much for having me. And I am excited. This is the start of a what I think is going to be a banner season. I mean, 133 days is a long season, but, you know, Woodbine has a fantastic stake schedule. We have uh, a lot of anticipation, as every season is, and I'm looking forward to it greatly.
4: Well, let's uh, talk about uh, today's Carter Racing. You haven't called any races now for about three or four months, right? So uh, is uh, will it be uh, butterflies in your stomach today? Mm-hmm.
8: Well, actually, I did have a chance to call at Sam Houston, uh, Sam Houston Race Park in Texas, in Houston, and that was uh, about a month ago. I covered for uh, Nick, who is the announcer there, who was involved in the Las Vegas handicapping tournament with uh, some of the representatives from Sam Houston. And because Sam Houston has formed a nice association with Woodbine, uh, I had the opportunity to be uh, on the mic there. So it gave me a little bit of uh, a chance to get back into the groove. And of course, that was a new track for me to call that lovely experience. And that just gave me a little sense of being back. So from here on, from today on, I'm I'm excited about being back uh, on air at Woodbine. Yeah, I feel I feel ready.
1: And Robert, walk us through step-by-step what today is going to look like for you. How do you prepare for today?
8: So I began as soon as the fields came out and with a look at what was basically the product. What is today's racing about? uh, A nine-race program, predominantly sprint races, different size fields. The maximum field will be 12. And uh, it's going to be interesting for me to watch early on because in short races, Basically on dirt tracks, and it's a dirt track that's officially artificial dirt, but not turf racing. On the upcoming uh, start of the season, we we start with our main track. It's going to be for me a matter of watching the gate breaks, watching who's got the speed, who's coming from behind in a closing finish. So it's a contained, very short time frame when the distances are between four and a half to perhaps six furlongs as against a normal day where it's a much bigger spread because we are starting the season with sprint races. So for me, it's to be on my toes early, (laughs) to let myself um, use what I have as the knowledge of where um, the stats are for the seasons from last year in terms of who does well at the beginning of the season, which trainers have a good hot start generally, which jockeys are usually off to a good start. And which horses have previously raced prior to coming to the circuit of Woodbine in other parts in the winter? So I'm looking for those factors in terms of keeping my eye out for certain types of performances.
1: And just between us, do you warm up your voice? Me 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 (laughs) me 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 me.
8: (laughs) I haven't done that, and um, (laughs) you know what? Sometimes, (laughs) yes, you sort of think, shall I just begin? But Mm -hmm. I I like to just begin a cup of tea, a hot tea, and uh, just conversationally, and and. I think the racing takes you there. I think if if the emotion of the race and the passion of the race brings that level of excitement, the voice goes with it. And some days uh, it just is is alive with that, and other days matches the mood of the race. And sometimes it's a sort of slower, laconic pace. It just depends on that that moment.
4: So if you hadn't become a uh, racetrack announcer, Robert, what do you think you would have done?
2: That's a
8: very good question, because I did have a career in speech pathology prior, which was a trained uh, discipline, which I worked in for 10 years, including uh, working with car accident victims and uh, people who'd had brain tumors and had to have radical surgery to save their life, but had deficits from communication disorders. So I was into that, could have stayed with that, I liked that. But I feel like today I'm into things that are more involved with communicating just in chatting, like I like taking tours. I like being involved in, say, um, bed and breakfast types of situations. I like uh, hotel industry a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just enjoy travel. So anything to do with those types of areas of interest, I think I'd be a good fit.
1: Speaking of travel, I believe that you were in Japan recently. And what was that like for you? And what did you see in terms of thoroughbred racing?
8: It was fantastic because I had actually worked in Hong Kong for six and a half years in the 90s in the run-up to the handover. And I traveled to different parts of Asia, including Singapore, Malaysia, and uh, I had never had a chance for some reason to go to Japan other than in transit. And this time I, I really wanted to explore the country for the 10 days I was there. But I did contact the Simulcast Coordinator at Woodbine Klaus who's got strong connections with Japan Racing Association because Woodbine's actually the hub for the North American signal for Japan racing. And that meant I had a chance to be able to meet with some of the representatives there and see racing. He said to me, Robert, are you going to see Shelf Spite running? Shelf Spite is one of our top horses who ran a terrific race in the Breeders' Cup and was third uh, and gave a, a good side in the Woodbine mile and had had a good history of performances in Woodbine, but was going to be running in Japan. On the week that was coming up, and I said, Oh, I'll change my trip to be able to do that. And that experience of being able to be behind the scenes with trainer Roger Atfield, owner Charles Fipke, who flew in for the race to see their horse internationally compete, was really a great experience for me and Ali, who was the groom. Uh, they turned this horse out in magnificent fashion. And what happened was, uh, Shell wasn't necessarily suited to the dirt surface. There was a lot of kickback, didn't have the easiest of trips. Uh, A horse called Lemon Pop from the Dolphin Stables won, who was the favorite. But Shell went on to Dubai and ran a mighty good fourth in a very big race there. So it was a great prep for that. But the reaction from the crowd to their heroes, and they call the actual uh, slogan that they have is, the hero is coming. Mm -hmm. And I was asking the representatives, what's that mean? They're saying, the next star from Japan is coming. We don't know who it is the crowd loves their racing. There's just a massive crowd, uh, you know, maybe 30,000 people on track who applaud a winner as the wire comes up. They they are totally into their uh, bloodlines of success and how they've managed to infiltrate the overseas market. And if anything, Japan this year particularly has dominated world racing. They have won the Saudi Cup. They have won the Dubai World Cup. And they are, Possibly a chance to win the Kentucky
4: Derby. On on that topic, let's talk about the Kentucky Derby, Robert. I I know you've had your handicapping uh, cap on all week, uh, looking at the uh, contenders and that. Uh, Who do you like so far?
8: Well, I am going to start with that theme of Japan because being recent from that trip, the horse... uh, Dermas has a chance to win the race. As a UAE Derby winner, the winner of the United Arab Emirates Derby has not been successful in the past in going across from Dubai to win in what will be a a dirt race in uh, Kentucky that's always a risk as to what the conditions will be, whether it'll be a, a wet day or not. But the fact is that has been a so far disappointing stat. However... The success Japan has had is quite unique this year. And I think that their sentiment is that this particular runner is exceptionally good. Christophe Maire, who is their club jockey originally, is now officially called a uh, Japanese jockey, even though he's from France. will be riding this runner, who I think likes to be on the lead, but may be able to settle handy to the pace and just crush rivals and was winning on what was the JRA main circuit. Mandarin hero who ran second in the Santa Anita Derby came from the lesser circuit of Japan racing that's not considered part of the JR racing tracks. The JRA has a bunch of tracks that are the premier tracks. So in that regard, you're looking at a horse who might be considered above the cut of a Mandarin hero, who's a good line for the Santa Anita Derby. The only question I have is you know, the failure of those stats and the fact that this horse likes to be on the pace. So outside of the Japan runner, who I respect because I just feel their placement is incredibly successful at where they're putting their horses this year, I'm actually drawn to a horse called, I think it's Madge or Mage, who I think has run, run running very unlucky races to Forte. Mm-hmm. Forte is the favorite for the Kentucky Derby. To me, Forte has had charmed trips every single time and has been undefeated in its entire career but for one start and undefeated this year but Madge had an incredibly good move in that last run which was the Florida Derby had the lead and got run down just in the final couple of yards after having gone too soon the previous made that move from the back but came to the lead too soon the previous start was on a very hot pace and paid the price and weakened is beautifully bred for the Derby by Good Magic, who ran second in the Kentucky Derby to Justify, who was a Triple Crown winner. It's by Curlin, and on the side of the dam, you've got a Big Brown bloodline, and Big Brown was a Kentucky Derby winner. Gustavo Delgado is the trainer. He is a first-time trainer into the Derby. I think this is a really interesting value play, because if you like Forte, who is the favorite— I think Madge has had much tougher trips and could be the upset. The only concern I have, Larry, is that Luis Sayers is probably going to opt the tap at Trice. So we don't know who the rider is yet for Madge. It could be Javier Castellano. So that's my two angles. I'm going for Japan to run a big race with Demasotogake, and I definitely love Madge.
1: And this could be the year for Japanese thoroughbred horses. You never know. We talk about the road to the Kentucky Derby. Robert, can we speak a little bit about the road to the King's Plate? Now, I know it's not until August, but, you know, people are already talking about it.
8: And I love that because I think that the King's Plate, as we now know it will be after the passing of Queen Elizabeth, is going to carry a lot of sentiment for people. And I do believe that what we saw last year with Moira was a fantastic example of a horse who had really developed from the two-year-old campaign to the three-year-old successfully into a star and was a little unlucky, actually, to be uh, unplaced in what was the race that Lady Spitesby ran third in uh, what was the turf race for the Breeders' Cup for the fillies and mares. But the reality was a bad trip. But the fact is, two-year-olds who we saw on display last year have put in some particularly good performances and can go on to develop into great three-year-olds. And that's what it's all about. And because it is in August, I think that it gives a really wonderful opportunity for horses to develop. And so to me, the fact that Woodbine's quite willing to stick with that plan, I think is helpful, even though I know there's a little bit of concern uh, Fort Erie was wanting to bring it back to the original start in June. But at the moment, it, it seems like it's suiting the development of the horse, and it's suiting the timetable really well for us. The atmosphere of the Queen's Plate, which will now be the King's Plate, has always been quite magical. The race itself, which is a mile and a quarter, is a fantastic spectacle because they give you a fantastic true run from the stretch, shoot, down to the wire, and a circle to the track. The question mark is, at a mile and a quarter distance, how many horses are really bred to get that distance? But I do feel that... Uh, you know, the trainers have already earmarked which horses they think are targeting the king's plate. And there's no doubt that uh, there's a bit of a hoodoo on, on some of the races uh, that produce winners. But there are more angles these race days uh, than before of, of, of the journeys towards it. Certain, certain stables have done exceptionally well in certain breeding farms, like Frank Stronach's Adina Springs, who's had such success. I've called so many of his horses win the queen's plate but as far as the actual race in June, in our push to August, that run-up is going to be intriguing for us. So I don't have a name of a horse I'm going to say <laughs> is going to win the King's Plate at this point. I don't have a, a name marked. But uh, I, I would go back to the two-year-old races of last year and say, who do you think's bred to get the distance?
4: Okay, well, we're going to hold you to that. We're <laughs> going to get you on the show closer to Queen, or Queen King's Plate. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll get you back on the show and we'll get your prediction. But before we let you go, it's opening day at Woodbine today. What makes opening day so special?
8: The start of of what is um, a a a remarkable length of season. Not many tracks can run a 133-day season and support that, which gives every single trainer and every single jockey a chance to stay in the area and make a living at it. And I think the intriguing part is that the racing is is in transition because we know that we've introduced an inner turf track. We know that we're looking towards uh, other forms of wagering that will enhance our racing schedule and bring money back from a um, uh, different areas of interest, and we're trying to broaden the the fan base for young people. And I think we're looking forward to live racing because live racing is where the most revenue comes from, the most return on the dollar. And we want the experience for live racing to be what it's about. And to me, being the announcer is a representation of the fan, and I'm going to call it like I see it for the race fan and capture the atmosphere of what it is there. I know that today represents the start of a journey, and we're on that journey together as a as an entertainment industry, a racing industry, a food industry, a wagering industry, and they all come together to make it a fantastic experience
1: respected, revered, and ever so articulate race announcer, broadcaster, and storyteller Woodbine's <laughs> Robert Geller. Thank you so much for <laughs> joining so my channel oh, no, thank what you. a pleasure. oh no, I thank we thank you and thanks for joining us on ponies twenty four seven I look forward to our next visit. <laughs>
8: Thank you.
1: After the break, when we come back, Francine Villeneuve joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com.
4: Live harness racing continues at the Meadowlands every Friday and Saturday evening with a post-time of 6.20 p.m. The Meadowlands Championship meet is highlighted by the Meadowlands pace on July 15th. And on Saturday, August 5th, it's the famed $1 million Hambletonian, headlining an exceptional day of stakes events with a special post-time of 12 noon. Watch
2: and wager on all of the big games' exciting harness racing through your HPI bid account and Dark Horse app and be part of the Meadowlands racing experience.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Francine Villeneuve is a former woodbine jockey and trainer who is facing some life challenges with courage and optimism. She joins us now on Ponies 24-7. Great to have you on the show, Francine. How are you feeling?
9: Uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm feeling okay, uh, much better recently. My wound is healing quickly in the last few days. Um, but um, still, I, I still am kind of sad, you know, about um, having to give up my horses and um, rethinking what I'm going to do with myself for in the near future. So that's where I'm at right now.
4: Yeah. Well, I guess maybe for our listeners, we should bring them up to speed. Uh, talk about what happened. Uh, you had a uh, basically a, a training accident with a horse, right? And maybe you can just kind of explain the story. Of what happened?
9: Yes. Um, Well, um, I'm currently taking some chemo, oral chemo medication for the cancer that I was diagnosed with um, a year ago. And it's made me a little bit unstable. Um, So I'm not galloping my horses any longer or anything, but I do ride my pony out daily and with every set. What happened was on the ground, I was checking a horse's hind leg one of my young promising two-year-olds, she wasn't really cooperating and she pushed me over and I landed on the ground and she stepped on my thigh and just stood there, stood on my thigh with all her weight and um, ended up severing an artery. Luckily, somebody was nearby and pushed her off me gently, um, so it could have been a lot worse, um, but I was really bleeding profusely. So um, I was able to get to um, Honeybrook. and uh, have emergency surgery done right away.
1: You could have died. That is an unbelievable- I could have. Yeah, that's that. But How do you come to grips with something like that? Horses whom you love, you adore, you've trained, you've ridden, and this accident happens.
9: It's just, uh, it's just so mind boggling. It really is because things were going so well. And I was so optimistic for this year. Um, Like the cancer is going in the right direction. Um, And I had some really promising two year olds um, and some nice horses and um, everything was going, you know, really well. And then something so silly like this happened. Um, It's just it's just so hard to wrap my head around it. You know what I mean? Like um, now I, I have to find something else to do to occupy myself because I'm not used to sitting around doing nothing.
4: You had the the cancer, you've had the accident, Mm -hmm. and then to top it off, uh, one of your your owners passed away, one of your bigger owners, so was there a time that you kind of said to yourself, like, why me? Like, uh, is, you know, why is this happening to me?
9: of course you have to ask yourself that. This is the first time in my life that I've actually thought that I could possibly die. Like, I've broken bones, riding, and that sort of thing, but... On the way to the hospital, I actually thought, you know, I could really die. I didn't, and I'm feeling fine right now, so I know I'm going to overcome all this. Where
1: does this courage and this optimism come from in you, Francine?
9: Well, I'm a strong believer in um, thinking optimistically. Um, I really feel like that's a big, huge part of recovery, and um, moving forward. So I don't know where it comes from, but um, it's necessary. And um, I just, uh, I, I've always been that way.
4: Maybe it's early for you, Francine, but ha- have you given any thought to wanting to do something still in the business? Is there, is there something there that maybe you might want to get yourself hooked into?
9: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm not ruling really training out again. Um, I just can't do it for quite some time. I don't think, um, because physically I'm not, you know, what I was, but, um, I certainly would consider being a jockey's agent. I think I would be good at that. Or I love the sales like pin hooking, Mm confronting being a blood, blood agent sort of thing. And I, I wouldn't uh, rule out possibly, um, if there was a position being a steward even, Um, or in the broadcasting end of it. I I don't know. I think something will present itself.
1: I want to, for all of us, for, for Larry and for me and for the listeners right now, go back in time to your life as a jockey and really amazing. You were second in the 1991 Queen's Plate. You won the 2004 Avelino Gomez Memorial Award for contributions to racing. Tell me about those times and, and how you how you rose to success and also handled that success.
9: Well, um, it happened really quickly in my career. Um, I always had an affinity for horses and riding and whatnot, Um And things just kind of always went in the right direction as far as, you know, hooking up with the right outfits and the right horses. And um, when I got these opportunities, um, I just, you know, I I cherished it. Um, So it it really helped. It helped um, with, you know, how people perceived me. Um, and, And I think it really changed how... Um, people perceived women um, jockeys. Yeah. Um, So I feel like I made a pretty significant contribution in that aspect.
4: And I think I read someplace that uh, you were the first female jockey in Canadian history to reach a thousand career wins, correct?
9: Yes. I retired for a or I, I don't like the word retired. I stopped riding for a few years just to spend time with my family in Florida. I had a farm there. And uh, when I looked at my statistics, I realized that I wasn't that far off from a 1,000 wins. So I thought, you know, I'd be really silly not to pursue that goal because it is a big milestone for in a jockey's career. I accomplished that. And at that point, I thought I really wanted to train horses. It all kind of fell into place.
1: Francine, what was it that drew you to being a jockey in the first place? And, and you know, back then, this was several decades ago, it really wasn't commonplace to see a female rider.
9: It, it was not a dream. Um, I came to the track. I, I actually took um, um, equine studies program at Humber College, which is right by Woodwine Racetrack. And um, I wanted to work in the horse industry, not knowing exactly what I wanted to do Um So my first job was a hot walker at Woodbine. And as soon as I came to the track, people started asking me, you know, when are you going to be a jockey? Because I was the right stature and, you know, I knew how to ride and stuff. And um, it it happened so quickly. Like within three years, I was riding my first race. Um, So uh, being a jockey wasn't my first thought, but it quickly became... My first thought, you know, and and I won right away, and things just took off immediately.
1: And what was it that made you better than the rest, do you think?
9: Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm certainly not the the greatest, uh, (laughs) but um, I think just um, understanding horses and um, loving them and just um, just being dedicated to the sport, you know, um, and, and trying to conduct myself as an, just a jockey, not a female jockey, but just another jockey. And I think that made a big difference, just trying to act, you know, just to be professional.
4: But you were a fan of the sport before that, correct?
9: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, but I didn't know very much about it. Being from Ottawa... There's no thoroughbred racing there at all, just standardbred. So it it only, you know, I only became familiar with thoroughbred racing when I got here um, in 83. 84 is when I first came on the racetrack. 83 is when I became aware of, you know, actually going to the races. Um, So it all happened kind of quickly.
1: You and Larry Simpson's your history, your history and Larry's history are intertwined. Can you each tell us about that, Larry and Francine?
9: Um, well, I wrote a little bit for Larry um, at Fort Erie, and we had some success. Um, so not a whole, I mean, we didn't, I didn't write a lot for him, but, um, you know, we had some some good memories about that
4: and we both went to humber college i went to humber you went to humber so there
5: you go You yeah. see there you go intertwined
9: and they don't intertwine and they don't have that program any longer which is unfortunate yes i know because the business is lacking the business is lacking help so badly right now and it, it, it i think it would be a, such a an advantage for our industry to have people you know educated in um what what this industry is all about.
1: You know, you may just have have figured out what you're going to do next.
9: I you don't could, know what I can do. You could lead next. you could lead the
1: lead classes in that regard.
9: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have a little bit of time to think about it hopefully. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about you as a trainer. Uh, how did that transition take place and and what made you feel that that was really where you wanted to be?
9: Well, at first, I never wanted to be a trainer. When I became a jockey, I thought, no, no, I don't want to be a trainer. But um, as time went on, I really started paying attention to um, how the better trainers did things and um, how you could improve on the horses, and um, that became more of an interest to me. And um, I just thought, you know, maybe this is something I really want to do. So um, when I knew that I was approaching my thousandth win, um, I was really looking forward to starting that part of my career. Um, so I purchased a few, you know, cheaper racehorses of my own and and uh, progressed from there. But um, I love the hands-on part of you know bringing horses along and making them better, bringing up young horses, um, and just. Um, working with them individually. I just love that part of it.
4: So, last question for you, Francine. Is there a slight chance that we may see you back training horses?
9: There's a slight chance. Um,
4: well, you never say I never, feel, right?
9: <laughs> exactly. Never say never. You, you just don't know what will happen. But I just feel so disheartened because, like I said before, I had the best bunch of horses that. I probably ever had you know you hope to improve every year and this year was the year you know I was really excited about this year and then this happened so I'm kind of wondering you know why why is this happening And may maybe something I meant to do something else I don't know
1: Francine Villeneuve what a pleasure to speak with you today really truly and all the very best on your life's journey we look forward to seeing you back in the biz very very soon Thank you so much. I appreciate it. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park and, of course, some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure that your HBI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com.
6: Pineview Hyundai, the smart choice of automobile dealerships, combining horses and horsepower. For over 35 years, the Romeo family has been a part of the Ontario thoroughbred racing industry. And they want to invite you to their Pineview dealership to view their award winning Hyundai lineup today, as the Hyundai Advantage sales event is on now. Come see us at 3790 Highway 7 in Vaughan. Call us at 905-851-2851 to make an appointment. Or visit our website, pineviewauto.com, and see why Pineview Hyundai remains the smart choice.
0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine. Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson.
1: So before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems? As Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, I hand the reins over to you.
4: Oh, I like that. <laughs> That's, uh... Kind of tacky, you know. Tack, <laughs> yes. Right? Let's uh, let's go to Woodbine, and that's that's a good thing to say. Woodbine's opening day features a nine race card. Race four is a maiden optional forty thousand dollar claimer. It's five furlongs on the Tapita, purse of sixty five thousand nine hundred dollars. Uh, nine horses have been entered, and number nine, Mendel John, is an Irish bred that hails from the strong Wesley Ward barn. Uh, Mendel John shows one lifetime start in February at Turfway Park for a maiden thirty thousand claiming tag. In that race, Mendel John showed some speed, including a half and forty-five and two, and six furlongs and one ten and two before tiring in the stretch to finish sixth. Wesley Ward has worked this guy four times since and that includes three at five furlongs, and Mendel John should be able to clear the field from the nine post at this five furlong distance, and that could be just what the doctor ordered today. Trainer Ward won 4 of 10 races during the first month of the 2022 Woodbine season and his Mendel John shows that he could get the job done today. Woodbine race 4, number 9, Mendel John. Santa Anita is back racing this week and hosts a 10 race card today. Race 8 is 6.5 furlongs on the turf for fillies and mares, 3-year-olds and up, optional claiming of $50,000, purse of $36,000. Nine horses had been entered, and number nine, Cornelia Fort, broke her maiden two starts back and was claimed by trainer John Sadler for $50,000. Sadler raced this girl on March 26th at today's class, where she was a beaten favorite. She was off a step slow and then bothered during the running of the race. I believe that the key today is Cornelia Fort is first-time turf and when you add to that that she was a beaten favorite and she shows two good works, including one of five furlongs, I think there's lots to like today. So Santa Anita, race eight, number nine, Cornelia Fork. The Meadowlands has a 14 race card tonight. Race six is the final of the Standard Bread Retirement Foundation. is one mile pace for a purse of $40,000. Seven horses have been entered. Number three, Sheer Terror, is making the all-important third start off the layoff after being off since September of last year. Two starts back, Shear Terror sat a two-hole uh, trip and finished third, timed in 151-2, last quarter in 26-1. Last week, over a sloppy track, Shear Terror left from the 6 hole, went to the front, got passed at the half, dropped back to third, turning for home, but when finding room, closed to just miss by a nose. You have the always important third start off the layoff tonight, and this guy could be all set to win his first lifetime start. The Meadowlands, race six, number three, Sheer Terror. And finally, Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 13 race card tonight, and race two is a one-mile pace for a purse of $19,000. Number five, Gentle on My Mind, was a pony's pick back in March, but unfortunately didn't deliver the goods that night. Gentle on My Mind did win his next start. Last week, Gentle on My Mind uh, skipped to a career best 152-3 and three victory. He moves up a class tonight. But the fact that Gentle on My Mind dropped three seconds off his lifetime win mark is a sign that this guy is in good shape. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race two, number five, Gentle on My Mind.
1: Thank you, Larry. Brilliant as always. See you next Saturday, my friend. And speaking of friends, big shout out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Just a reminder, if you would like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine and a new one was recently released, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies, and please donate to the cause. Stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long, and thank you very much for listening. Ponies
0: 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105. Five nine The region.